0: Welcome to Roots and Graffiti, a short chat diving into the happenings of Jasper County. Episode topics range from project announcements to conversations about rule issues. Hosted by the Jasper Dune Foundation and Jasper County Economic Development Organization. Together, we explore and break down what's happening here in Jasper County I'm Stephen Eastridge with the Jasper County Economic Development Organization.
1: And I'm Brian Hooker with the Jasper Newton Foundation. On the podcast today, we have Sam and Mark from Crane & Gray. Crane & Gray has been a partner with Jasper Newton Foundation for the last 12 months, doing some community listening so we can plan the next 10 years of growth in Jasper Newton Counties. Sam Mall has an educational background in accounting and a vocational background in management. He oversees operations and fiscal efficiency for both Crane & Gray and their customer base within projects. He has worked as a project manager for Chicago agencies and spent a good deal of time working alongside Fortune 500 companies, crafting concepts and strategies. Past oversight and management of projects range from developing a revived strategic vision from national review developing a unique strategy to add to the legacy of Winston Churchill with Churchill Solitaire, and researching and developing national and global strategies for issues ranging from education policy to immigration to mental health. Sam's entry into marketing was through his passion to show return for an organization or community investment and to provide accountability to strategic endeavors. And that's as hard to say as it is to do, but <laughs> Sam is an expert. <laughs> it's what's helped driven these two guys and the success of Crane & Grite. Sam oversees operations and research at Crane and & Grite.
0: And Mark has a passion for human behavior. As an undergrad at Indiana University, he researched consumer behavior and political thinking. And as a grad student at Purdue, those two things don't go together, first of all. <laughs> but as, as a grad student at Purdue, he researched political decision-making and how we develop our most core identified identity forming values. He leverages that background to help move the needle and change attitudes on issues ranging from how one views the future of their community to how they think about national policy matters. Mark spent five years working in think tanks focusing on local and state education issues at the national level. There, he began his membership in the National Conference of State Legislators, American Legislative Exchange Council, and National League of Cities. Before Crane and Gray. He had the role of Director of Marketing and VP of Strategy for Agencies in Chicago, Northwest Indiana, and Washington, D.C., where he oversaw projects from major marketing initiatives to creating and initiating campaigns for new-to-market products and services. Mark oversees research and strategy at Crane & Gray.
2: Yeah, I appreciate uh, you all have, having us on here and uh, talk about something that's really you know, uh, a big swing and in, and in, in some some big picture thinking that that hopefully we've all been able to distill down well, um and 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 kind of rally folks together around the common cause here and and really that's what uh, Crane and Gray, our firm, uh, ha- has made our name on in the last thereabouts decade now. Um, we've worked with municipalities, communities, um, nonprofit organizations, and uh, some advocacy organizations and essentially done the same basic things with everybody. That's kind of helping to discover a common purpose and uncover, you know, strengths, especially at the community level and, and leverage those strengths to to build out a plan that's importantly actionable uh, going forward. And, and so, you know, I think we like to, to kind of break out Crane and Gray's core identity in these uh, th- three important ways. One is that we're always objective in the way that we, th- we think about things, always science-minded, always trying to ensure that there's there's numbers, there's measurables, and that we hold ourselves accountable um, and, and hold our clients accountable to ensuring that, that they're doing what's in the best interest of, of the folks that they uh, are stakeholders in, in what they do. And because we work in the nonprofit space, we know that that's an incredibly important piece of things. Second, the, we always want to be entrepreneurial in our approach. And I think this is a thing that, especially in this space, sets us apart a bit, but uh, I think it's something we we definitely brought to the the Jasper and Newton plan. Um, importantly, uh, thinking about things a little differently, thinking about innovatively approaching some of the bigger picture uh, challenges that face rural America, something we're most certainly familiar with coming from rural Indiana ourselves. And then third... And this one sounds a little ridiculous but but I, I promise it's important, um, especially if you 've dealt with some other consultants in this space. be mm. human in in the way that we approach the problem. I think oftentimes we get pretty mired and steeped in buzzwords and business lingo and and sometimes we forget to get out of that space and take a step back and remember that we 're all human people and that we 're at the end of the day affecting human people and all the synergies and and thirty thousand foot views of the world can go away a little bit, and we can talk about making some real change. So, that's what that's what we've been doing for the last ten years, and it's most certainly what we're hoping to do here. I'll, I'll let Sam take it from there.
1: I think your crush on Meg Wheatley speaks to um, the human part of that phrase. So,
2: most oh, certainly for those not in the know. Meg Wheatley is a social <laughs> scientist uh, whom I reference probably you know 10 or 20 times more frequently than I ought to. Um, but, but she had a way of thinking about humans and, and the systems they put together. And obviously, this is really applicable to communities. And she said, there's no greater force, no greater power in this world than a community discovering what it cares about the most. And and I think there's an enormous amount of truth to that. And and certainly something we've seen in, in our clients' work. And, when, and and I think we'll talk, we'll dive a lot more into this as we go along. But, uh, you know, the story is not different for Jasper and Newton counties in that way, that there's a ton of people who have an enormous amount of passion about the lifestyle that they have and the place that they live in that are pulling at different ends of the rope. And And when we come together to discover that actually... We could all pull at the same end of the rope, and 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 that would be a much more efficient way to get things done. And and that indeed, we'd all realize our individual uh, interests in that way. That there's there's enormous power there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one you know, one thing I'll I'll add to that is just that. Uh, I th- one of the things that that we really look for in partnerships um, is you know, as Mark said, we work in the the nonprofit space, the community space, work with a lot of foundations. Uh, but when we're assessing um, organizations to work with, um, we look for passion as a precursor. Um, oftentimes in communities, you might find a handful of people that are pulling the strings of the communities that are very passionate. But it's important in order for a, a plan and for our engagement to go from something that is static which is oftentimes what you see um, a lot of other organizations in this space put out and a lot of large foundations and large communities that have, you know, hundreds of millions and billions of dollars creating something that is systematic and static and that doesn't come to life, that doesn't feel human, that doesn't feel organic. We look for, for communities that are passionate because through that passion, we're able to tap into something that already exists in those communities, bring people together and, and, and really make something that is dynamic. Oftentimes it's just a matter of getting everyone to sit down and start talking together, finding what common threads exist within the communities and how we can pull on those really, you know, not not us pulling on them so much as how we can, you know, pull on them to find what uh, everyone's thinking and, and and the common threads that exist, and then helping you all the community, Jasper, the Jasper Newton communities in this case, you know, to, to really move forward and, and, to, to capture that passion that is already pre-existent, not just within, um, the, the stakeholders at the table, but within the community itself.
1: When you engaged with the Jasper Newton Foundation about, it's been over, it's been over 12 months, we've been working together. Did you find, did you find that quiet rumbling of, of people that, um, I know you, spent a lot of time doing um, stakeholder interviews, town hall surveys, and other, other gatherings, focus groups around different um, programs. But did you, I mean, did you find that here? I think Stephen and I sometimes find ourselves being the quiet rumble, of just the two of us, and um, that extra passion to get things going. But I, there's more of us, right? Like you found some more people.
2: <laughs> most certainly I, I would i would maybe argue that you and stephen are not so quiet but um, <laughs> that might be that might be fair um no i think uh, you know one of the things that we were most heartened by and, and and this is a roundabout answer but i think it's it's important to think about is we did a, a survey of a few thousand residents and asked them to just prioritize issue areas things that they cared about the most what needed the most attention and and also prioritize what we think we're doing great at. Uh, and then we asked key stakeholders, as they're called in this work, but, you know, folks that think they're important the community <laughs> leaders, mostly, and we asked them to do the same thing. And I can say that in every project we've ever done that, and we do it as part of the system every time, we've had some pretty big gaps between those two things. And that's been, that's honestly an enormous amount of the work is to kind of build the communications around that. To, that either helps the leadership to understand why folks are are having a difference of opinion or vice versa here there was the the difference in the two rankings was nil and that speaks volumes about there is a, a shared understanding of priorities here there's a shared understanding of what needs to get done and 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 fixed and maybe there's just not a shared understanding of how and so i i think that most certainly that there's this quiet rumbling in the background. The people understand what needs to be changed, and and they're starting to think about it more concretely. Especially, uh, you know, throughout the time that we've interfaced with with you all, I, I think it's really interesting to hear the town hall folks as they kind of clamored about these things and gave voice to it. Not not just to hear them, the the louder folks speak, but to see the the faces of the folks that aren't as loud in agreement and saying, ah, yeah, somebody else thinks this way. That's that's phenomenal. And and I I don't want to make our job sound too easy, but a a lot of times the biggest challenge of these things is just to, to folk to get folks understanding that they've got a shared vision already to get folks understanding that, that they're on a bandwagon together, people don't often sit down at the coffee shop and say, "What, what's the biggest priority in the county this year in your mind, Ted? I mean, it's just, it's a super unusual thing for folks to, to challenge themselves with. But but when we force them to, we realize that, that they do and they're on the same page. And so that's a big part of the, the hurdle for us. Uh, I'd be curious what, what Sam thinks.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, so both of us being from LaPorte County, we're surrounded by counties that, that in the last decade, there's been a lot of movement, a lot of growth, a lot that people in both in St. Joe and Porter County are excited about. LaPorte County is starting to have some of that in the last five years. And I'm not speaking so much in terms of actual economic movement. I'm speaking really in terms of the the, the psychological culture of the counties. LaPorte County, historically, um, and now I've I, I'm, I've am i been here for thereabouts 32 years of my life. Uh, lived in, in Porter County for a while. Also lived in Chicago for um, a small period of time. But people in LaPorte County typically haven't embraced the county. They haven't been proud of the county. They've talked about, they, they speak pretty poorly of the county. We're very used to that in Indiana. And, and even in Porter County, there was parts of the county where I would see that. One of the things that, that I found most interesting uh, just as is a broad theme in conversations, and these weren't all uh, just in in the town halls and the focus groups and the surveys, but sometimes these were just as simple as when we were walking around and passing out posters to get people to come to these these conversations. The conversations that were had on the streets, the people who were asking questions about you know what the flyer was that was going up, or the people that were engaging um, on the ads that were uh, posted digitally as well to try to get people to to come to these events. What we found is that people were passionate. There was a lot of people like I, I, I broadly kind of put people into three contingents from the conversations. There were, there were people who were passionate about the past and knew the past well and could, it could speak at length about all the great things that have come out of the counties. There's a younger population oftentimes um, in conversations, but that was very passionate about what the county could become. And, and didn't necessarily wasn't so tethered to the past. Didn't necessarily know the rich history, but they were very passionate about where are we going and how can we get there. And then there was a, a third contingent who oftentimes were were people who were new to the county, and they were saying, "We have these two contingents. How do we bring them together and move forward?" And so they were kind of the the passionate contingent that wanted to join people together. But everybody was really really had this this, this passion and this energy. Um, to take the the county and the rich resources into move into the future, being from the Port County, that really shocked me. Um, having done other work uh, outside of the counties, but around Jasper and Newton, and having been in Jasper and Newton counties plenty, um, really to get deeper into those conversations, what was really refreshing and inspiring to see that there were so many people who were passionate. It was just a matter of bringing them all together. And oftentimes at the at the the town halls and the focus groups, that's exactly what happened. We were, were just, you know, asking a question here or there and people that, that maybe had their passions rooted in the history, or in the future, they were coming together and they were sharing ideas and exchanging their thoughts about how things could all move together uh, into the future, and and for us that was just every single session that we sat down to uh, was really inspiring.
0: Well, so there's a couple of things I was thinking of while you guys were talking, both of you, and you know I think the first thing, and it's just interesting you're talking about these two contingencies, and I was thinking that sort of. You know, the the way we went around, went about naming our podcast represents those two contingencies, right? It almost is like our podcast here, Bree and myself, are that group in the middle trying to pull all these voices together and move us forward. The other thing is, and this sounds really corny, but I, I, when I know that I'm going into a meeting that's going to be hostile and that I know that we're not going to agree on how to fix the problem, I love to start the meeting off by saying, like, if we just acknowledge that we agree on what the problem is, And that we, you know, mutually agree on there is a problem that we've got to fix it, and then at the end, all we're actually arguing about is the mechanism and you know the strategy for fixing the problem. We could probably walk out of this room not hating each other, and um, that that we can probably acknowledge that we can be partners if we just work through the details of what we view as the strategy to solving the problem. That doesn't hardly ever actually happen. We don't actually ever (laughs) acknowledge that. But I, 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 when I was in Cincinnati, I, I used that often. As you know, we both acknowledge that there's a need for something, we're just how we solve that is what we're disagreeing on. And we can find mutual ground there. But one of the things I think, I feel like we might have just got ahead of ourselves a wee bit. And that maybe not every listener knows that Cran and Grave is here doing a strategy, doing some planning, right? And, and so could you just like dive in a bit on like the process and what you guys were looking for, what you were doing? And, and just so the, list, the average listener who may not fully understand what was happening can have an opportunity to understand the process, what you guys did and why we're actually having this conversation now. It may be a little late for that, but I feel like it might be worthwhile to to start that part.
3: We start the process really just by by casting. Obviously, there's there's some initial conversations. We met with um, the the foundation. We met with um, folks in um, uh, that, were, that were part of the board. Um, we also had some conversations with other people um, that we knew in the counties. And and really, that kind of uh, by and large represents you know, kind of an initial assessment of needs, um, talking to the leaders in, in the community, casting a, a kind of a broad net to get a, a baseline understanding of what they think um, some of the themes are going to be. As Mark said um, earlier on, what that, that does is it allows us to, to really establish some initial, initial um, metrics by which then when we cast a much broader net um, to the community at large, we're going to be able to start uh, comparing this against. So after we do those, some of those initial leadership, uh, interviews, um, what we did from there is we did a series of surveys. We started with a, a stakeholder survey. So this is going to be a survey that goes out to, um, folks in government, to to business leaders, um, folks in the, in the schools and really, um, the hospital, uh, or people, people that work in healthcare and the like, um, really to get the, the best understanding of how everything's performing in all these different areas from there. Um, we went into a, to a survey to the communities wherein, you know, we made sure that that was, that was out there for about a month or so. Um, both went out through uh, uh, a number of you know, different different uh, uh, channels and the like, you know, everything from social ads to, to Google ads. To We went out and put some posters out as well to try to get people to submit um, their feedback and had a couple thousand people on the whole um, that actually uh, gave us information there as well. All those surveys um, then led us to um, a number of different conversational pieces wherein we got some more data. That was the town halls. That was the focus groups. That was really sessions where we sat down and did a lot of listening based off of what we started to see. um, When we were scratching the surface in the surveys, we wanted to go much deeper. Started having individual um, conversations as well, just on a few few key areas where we wanted to push in um, a little bit more. All of that then... Uh, was there about six months or so of initial data gathering. We went from that, um, sat down for several days at a retreat um, with some different folks from uh, representing a good cross section of the county and presented that data and then talked through um, what are some ideas for how we can take all this research and um, what people are desiring and really start to build a plan from that.
1: So what we end up with at the end then like the end game is a 10-year strategic plan um, for our community building going forward. And I'm just thinking about this now, you know, talking about those two different groups of individuals that this is the map, I feel like, of how we bring together those people who are passionate about where we came from and what we're rooted in. And also those people who are passionate about where we could go. So this should bring Fingers crossed, everyone. This should give us an opportunity to bring those two groups together with ideas that have actionable steps and a process, and we can actually get some stuff done. I think
0: that's that's the important part, right?
1: Yeah. The words we've been that have been coming up in conversations we've been having right now are uh, maintain and manage. Yeah. And when the foundation wanted to pursue. Um, this relationship with Crane and Gray and then to also come up with a strategic plan. I want, we want to maintain and manage to not be our actions when this was over. Um, and so I feel like this is a great fit because um, we want to be building, um, we want to be um, connecting um, and a number of other words that are not uh, what I call stick-in-the-mud words. So... <laughs> no
0: what is different about this one that it's not just going to be a pretty document on my on my bookshelf whenever i get one and fill this office but what what actually makes this something that's going to be a worn out playbook for our community that
2: moves us forward um no I, I, so so i think it's a couple of things first off we we do deliver a paperweight plan that that will sit on a desk and get dusty that because that's a box that has to get checked. And and, and we want to have all of this information in one central repository that we can refer back to at some point, right? That's that's There's some use to that. I don't want to undersell it, but that's not where we stop. We also, and importantly, build out a set of to-dos that actually make that plan actionable, that that take um, a really high-minded... And so you, you can imagine um, this is... Uh, we'll nerd out for a minute on community building stuff, but you've seen the other plans that, that talk about, we're going to build a prosperous main street and that, that would be like the actionable to do. So right. And
0: Maintain and manage. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, so maintain and manage would, would definitely have a place. And, and you can imagine, frankly, grabbing one of those and doing a find and replace and just putting Jasper Newton counties down. Uh, and, and it would feel relevant and consultancy ish. And, and I think, it would check a lot of boxes for for, for some folks in, in leadership in some counties, n- not for you all. And that's much to your credit. Our plan does this kind of bifurcated approach beyond that. And that's, first off, this to-do, where we say this is a thing that's going to happen, a very, very specific thing. We're going to create an agritech incubator that is really specific to the DNA of the people and, and uh, of your community, but also accomplishes two or three of the goals that we have in mind right one of which is to make more uh, interesting pathways for education in high school and post high school and so we're going to take an ag agri- we're going to create an agritech incubator here that leverages what you all have uh, at your disposal in terms of great technology in the agricultural space agricultural tourism through fair oaks and and, and partners in the, in the region we're going to build this thing and this thing is going to not just check a few boxes, but we're going to assign it to five, 10 key KPIs that we can say at the end of the day, 10 years from now, we know high school students will have an increased graduation rate because the ones that were they knew were going to work at a farm, the rest of their life didn't drop out. They, they stayed in because they needed to be a part of this. Um, the ones that that didn't have a place, that didn't know what they wanted to do, but knew they didn't feel like they were going to go to Harvard next. They stayed in too because they said, I want to work on something mechanical, get my hands dirty, right? This gave them a place to to thrive as well. And you can imagine all the, the kind of performance indicators you could create from just that one of the whatever 47 right now, what we call plot points. And so there's this one really kind of, I don't know, tangible piece of the plan. And then there's this other half of our bifurcated approach that's really abstract where we say, And and we start everything with this. And that is, and I probably should have started my diatribe here with this as well. (laughs) We say, this is what life feels like to five different types of people in today's community right now. We paint that picture. We build these fictional people. We say, here's a single mother. Here's a business owner. And and what does life look like on the everyday? What does it just feel like to be in their shoes? Because we want to make sure we understand the the DNA of the, the community. And then we say, what? what we want life to feel like for those five people. We paint that picture as well. So we know where the, the story starts and we know where the story ends. And we just have to create this narrative arc that gets us there together, right? And, and that's what those really other side of the bifurcated approach does for us.
1: So the name of this plan, I, I want, if you don't mind, either Sam or Mark to spend a minute talking about the, that. Cause I, I love the title of this plan. I love the feeling that that gives. that's one of the things I love about working with you all is that the information written down on the paper wasn't all that mattered. how we feel about our interaction with it matters and how we feel about each other matters anyway that human being human in planning i again that's right up my alley, so I appreciate the thoughtfulness behind that but can you can you talk about driving home?
2: yeah. I'll t- I'll take the beginning of it and I'll let, let Sam t- take the more important part. I think it's important to note that that driving home popped in our mind first during one of the town halls when a, a gentleman stood up to ask a question and said, I was thinking about this the other day as I was driving home. And for some reason that really resonated with me because I know that feeling. We, we grew up in, in rural Indiana and we know it's a, it's something unique to hear the the idea that like you put in an honest day's work and then you're kind of letting go of the day. You're, you got the windows down, listening to your favorite podcast, most assuredly roots and graffiti. And, um, you kind of, you can hear the, the, the sounds of the County in the background. And, and that was something that just absolutely resonated with me. And I, I know that feeling and, and, all of the kind of emotional weight that goes with with ending that honest day's work and 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 that time to reflect and what that what that can feel like and there was something we wanted to capture about that, but also to play on this idea of driving forward, our home, and so I want to just say a, a, one quick thing about why that word is so important. Home, you can kind of make a choice here. You can say, do we want to reinvent this place, to to be really interesting to other folks or, or visitors or, and certainly we want to do all those things. Or do we want to make this place feel like home to everybody that, that comes or that stays here? And, and we heard from almost everybody, this, this shared vision of what this place felt like 15 years ago was like a borrow a cup of sugar from your neighbor sit out on the porch and say hi to people go to the local event and you know everybody because of the changes in technology and lifestyle some of those things and those kind of bonds of community the the way we're woven together that fabric of the community stretches as technology and other things enter the equation and, and that fabric gets a little more loose and loose and loose and And we lose sight of some of that important thing, but I think everybody that we talked to had that vision of what home should feel like in their heads and what they remember it feeling like here, importantly. Just knowing that that's where we want the story to end here, where we want 10 years to feel like again is tightening the the knit of that fabric again, bringing folks back together, but not going back in time. Going forward and doing that and finding new ways to leverage technology, to, to leverage new resources and, and, and the youthful and vibrant energy to, to, to weave that thing a little bit tighter. Is, it's an important way to think about it. Sam can talk about the less abstract bit of that.
3: I don't, yeah, I don't know that I can speak out any, any less abstractly. There's, there's two pieces of it, right? There's the psychology of it. There's all sorts of returning home metaphors that Mark just went through by and large all that have have a lot of, a lot of very positive sentiments with them.
0: I love it. I think it's, I think it's perfect (laughs) for what it's worth, because I mean, just to not to interrupt you all Sam, but I think how many plans would just say, you know, section goal two dash one would be to encourage innovation, entrepreneurship and agriculture and then stop, right? Without any sort of like next steps or without any sort of way to measure us actually doing that. I think we would all acknowledge that that's a, that's something we should, strive for but I think most plans they just stop there and they don't they don't help provide a framework for doing that and pursuing it
3: we're seeing people not not just in this one little piece of the country but all around the country who who have been for decades moving into the cities are starting to move back out of the cities some of that's been sped up by covid um, and obviously like you know some of the research that we did uh, some some of the what has changed over time, uh, just in the last six months or so, is that we're seeing more of that now. We're seeing a lot more people um, that that want to get back to the roots, that want to get back to the soil. And what a better place to do it than you know the the valley wherein We have some of the richest soil in the Midwest. We we have people that you know are, are finally starting to say, "Oh shoot, you know, I'm now reevaluating what's important to me. It's it's family. It's you know having a piece of property where I can go and and." and Put my toes in the soil it's a place where I can go and have my own little garden and and find meaning beyond the the hustle and bustle of the day It's a place where I can go back to after I had to go into the city and do x y and z and you know where I have that sense of comfort and security where I can go to my neighbor and ask them if I can you know borrow a tool or if I can borrow some sugar um, or if they can watch my kids while I you know go and run this next errand and it's all of those things that you know. We think are are intrinsic to to the counties. Um, going back to that DNA piece that we heard in in the stories and conversations, so many of those components are are there still. and and it's those components that that are so easy to leverage. So yeah, it is about you know thinking about yesterday and going back, but it's also about what has happened and where are we going into the future and how are we driving into the future?
0: I think it's, so it's funny, one of my favorite things to talk about now, since, you know, moving back from Cincinnati, and like the realization that this was the place where I was going to set up was that, and I think I talked about this when we were talking with Ryan, it kind of dawned on me when the artists were here this last time is that one of the best things about a rural community is being able to find a random county road and just drive down it during sunset, right, especially in the middle of summer in rural Indiana, when a field is planted and you know, the skies are pink and orange, and you have you know whatever corn, soy, you know insert crop or livestock, right? And being able to just experience that with the windows down, that is probably one of the most blissful things. You, I would take that over driving downtown anywhere any day. And there's there's few people who who would trade that for you know, that drive for any drive. And I think that's it's funny that that's you know a a part of this plan sort of contextually is just bringing us back to that drive, that drive down the road with whatever it is, a podcast, uh, your favorite song, I think it embodies what it is to live in a community like this.
2: No, yeah. Yeah. You said it a hundred times better, better than either Sam or or I did. That's, um, and and I'm glad, I'm glad it resonates with you because it's certainly some of the the greatest memories, even Sam and I talk about this in relation to the plan. We were both from rural Indiana both of us have these fond memories of these sunset drives to the county, and and literally having no idea where you're at, and just heading off, and 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 finding a a, a new area of a new corner that is yet undis- undiscovered to you. But you know, I think it's important to to and I, and I don't mean to get weighty here, but it's important to think about what that drive feels like right now for some for some of our identities that we talk about, some of the folks that we we imagine, and we don't even have to imagine. You can. Walk next door, and, and you'll realize some of these these people in the in the counties. For some of these folks, that drive is weighted. It's weighted with not being able to easily manage your own mental health care. It, it's weighted with um, not having a, a a doctor nearby to handle your your physical health care. It's weighted by not having ch- uh, sufficient childcare to to go to work at a place that that you see most fits your, your needs. And, and you can imagine all the different sorts of weights that we carry around. And while I think that drive is always going to be relieving, regardless where we're at, I think we we want to make sure that we can kind of pull off as much of that weight from our community members so that they can experience it a little bit better.
0: Bree and I, I feel like Bree and I say this to each other all the time, just, you know, when we're having our self-therapy with each other and venting and our, our grumblings, right, is that I don't think it's acknowledged often enough that you can be proud about the community that we have and taking that drive, but also acknowledging that there is still work to be done and that's okay. That doesn't mean there's anything that you're not proud of your community or or there's anything wrong with it, but just that we have to continue to grow and adapt, but we can still love our community and acknowledge that, right? I think sometimes there's a tension there. We're like, what do you mean we have to change? That our community is great. Well, it is, but we still have to be great. And that means, maintaining that right and changing what we do to maintain that greatness
2: yeah and and, and it starts with a shared vision of the future to, to have a, something that you can kind of anchor that pride in i can say that again uh, growing up in rural indiana in, in a town that didn't have a vision there, there was nothing less cool in than, than saying oh i love where I'm from in, in my community, right. As, as a a college student, even you couldn't imagine saying something less interesting to your, to your friends. Uh, Everybody's, it was most certainly the the cool thing to say you wanted to get out of this place. And so having this shared vision gives the people an anchor to say, all right, I see where we're going and I want to be a part of it, even if we're not there.
1: So this wraps back around again. So I will bet money today that we're going to talk about this every time (laughs) this plan this driving home is an invitation just like our graffiti is an invitation to be a part of this community to be proud of this community but to also know that we have some we got some work to do to continue yeah making this place so everyone has the same feeling yeah yeah
2: Yeah. and I, i gotta say that we this is had an absolutely special place in, in our hearts and, and we'll continue to as we see this into to real life. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell a quick story. I, my grandfather, who just recently passed uh, Curtis You Cut Christmas Trees, he owned that, that farm in, in Newton County. And so probably 20 weekends a year, I would do this drive from way up north Indiana down to uh, Curtis, you cut and shape the trees and help folks pick out their Christmas tree and cut them down and, and package them up and bale them and such. And like, you can't imagine a more like rural American feeling story than that, right? And and it was every bit of it. I can remember every drive home having that sensation that we talk about in the plan, having that feeling. like I just did the, an honest day's work and I helped people have a, a great Christmas, right? And there's nothing you could imagine more wholesome. And, and I'm... I remember picking different ways home through the county every time, just kind of testing out different. Go down Meridian one time and Six Hundred one time, and uh, just exploring down there. Um, and it was always so fun. And it has this incredibly rich, deep history for for me personally. And I, and I feel like I can empathize with the the sort of rich and deep history that that folks in the community have with with what is really a special place. And and so we wanted to do it proud and, and hopefully we'll, we'll do that together.
1: The Jasper Newton foundation has enjoyed this relationship uh, with Crane and Gray. Um, I feel like, again, that someone had to be the person sending out the invitations to the party. And yes. I love finding myself in that role. So I feel like this driving home is an invitation to the party and uh, we have a lot to be proud of here. So. Absolutely.
3: Importantly as the last note is, um, here uh, mid mid September, um, early October, um, we will have a, a full website that's going to be launched. It's really going to be touching on um, what that plan is and and be the the jumping off point, the the foundation um, for the the community action component of all this. You know so. Um, as we think through those categories, um, they might be titled something differently in the plan, but the, you know, they, they largely speak to health and wellness, they speak to culture, they speak to family life, and they speak to the economy, as, as the, those four broad, as Mark said, the narratives, those umbrellas, um, areas of impact um, that, that come to life within the website. Um, so stay tuned for that, uh, that'll be launching here, um, and um, some social properties around that for for continued engagement. Um, and for letting people know how they can best uh, engage deeper in, in their passion uh, with the communities and get plugged in so that they can help to, to really, uh, you know, drive drive everything forward here.
0: Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you taking some time to chat with us. Really excited that you're, you know, this this is a project that I think Bree's becoming more excited about. I'm not, I wouldn't say she's full-on excited yet, um, but that I'm very excited about, and that I'm dragging her along with that way we can get this done.
1: Well, thanks, Sam and thanks, Mark. Guys. That was
2: awesome. Appreciate the great work you guys do. Thank you.
1: Thanks for joining us for Roots and Graffiti. For more information on today's conversation or just anything related to our podcast, you can email Stephen and I at graffiti at jaspercountyin.com. And there's more information and cool links in the show notes below.